0: Hi everybody, Poya here. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode. We have today, David Apple, who is the head of software and SaaS at Sage Intact and somebody that we've known for a couple of years. And he's just a great human being, but more importantly, he's super passionate about building and creating great B2B SaaS companies. So I hope you take a lot
1: away from today's session. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted podcast. Really excited. Um, we have David Apple um, from Sage Intact joining us today. David, welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, come on, for you two guys, let's do this.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, David, we always kind of like to start by getting a little bit on your background. I think specifically, we'd love to learn kind of where you grew up, um, you know, what your family was like and And um, I think maybe if you want to guide us towards um,
2: first job out of college, we'd love to start there. Yeah, so I grew up in Michigan, Midwest boy, and uh, great upbringing for anybody who's from the Midwest, just simple, a lot of family, good times, went to University of Michigan. When I graduated, someone said, go West, young man, and came on out to California in the early 90s and just never looked back. Uh, My first job was uh, as a... uh, just a grinded out analyst at a great private equity firm. And you just learned a lot about business and a lot about business building back then. It was it was a lot of fun. It was just, you know, the better, the broader the foundation, the bigger you can build. And that was just that was a great mentoring back.
1: Then. Awesome. And so um, coming out to Silicon Valley, um, and I may be skipping a few steps here, but I know you were... Um, you you had you spent some time at Oracle and you were a seller there and I think if and I don't want I'm not going to name the year I'll let you do it if you want but you were the sales rep <laughs> of the year in Oracle's DMD organization and and after that I think so it, it's not it's not that you were the sales rep of the year it's that you were the sales rep of the year and you ended up actually deciding to take a year off with if and I, I believe this is this is actually accurate with your future wife tell me about like how kind of at the peak of performance at oracle you decide you know what i'm going to take a year off tell us about that decision and, and that experience and what you did with that year
2: well if i could say one thing for those of you listening to this thank you i uh i, I don't want to make this so much about me although it's been a fantastic journey i think of life like a movie and the scenes have been so much fun filled with highs and lows. But I, what I hope comes out of this a little bit is the narrative for your own lives on uh, having a little bit of a North Star and realizing that you, you can have that and life just kind of takes you like this. But if you just keep going forward, something good comes out of it. I've been able to build a, a great specialty um, coming out of that. and uh, But these little important stories like this, Oracle is fantastic. 250 people in DMD in the early 90s, it was a great time, we just were crushing it, and I keep in touch with many of them, and uh, uh, the gentleman who was one of my life mentors ran uh, Oracle's East Coast business, um, a large business, and um, I said to him, you know, I'll keep climbing the corporate ladder, and then I had the opportunity to go travel with Diane, and, and, he, and Tony said to me, go David, it'll all be here when you get back. And uh, it's so funny cause I'm in my forties now and I give that advice to people who are in their twenties. So like the, the gift that he gave me keeps on going and that was life-changing. I, we would just show up in a country and just uh, explore and just live with the people. We, we weren't tourists. Like we lived on an Island, in the middle of the Gulf of Thailand for six weeks kind of thing and help people in the fishing village fish. It was amazing. The story resonates because I started my career at Oracle.
0: Uh, I was the rookie sales rep of the year. So not as good as you where it's like the the whole, but at least the rookie. And I, after a year and a half, decided to take take some time off before I jumped into startup land and I traveled Southeast Asia. And I'd be curious, at least that trip and that experience influenced me in some ways. How, How did it change you? in good or bad ways but like how, what's the impact that experience had on you and diane and like why do you feel maybe you became a different person after that experience
2: well by the way this was all before the leonardo dicaprio movie the beach so we broke the ground before that movie came out and uh <sighs> i don't know you just you grow up you know, all of us go through life with mental models about how we expect the world to work and the rules that we hit, pick up both from the early days and then uh, as mentors come along. And it just saw, I saw about how a lot of other people live their lives and it gave a lot more perspective on uh, broadening my horizons. I met the happiest person I've ever met in my life was a, we were hiking the Annapurna Trail in Nepal and had got, gotten stuck in a snowstorm in a village named called Banang. And we were there for five days because there was avalanches going around us and all that stuff. And there's a young boy there named Jamba. Jamba wore the same clothes every day, stayed warm just by getting around a fire. Didn't and But he didn't know what he didn't have. And he was so happy. And it's just the, a little bit of the, a lesson I've taken from a young Jamba back then up in the middle of Nepal. It's just want what you have. And you uh, amazing how much more life satisfaction you can get from living it that way. That's just one small example.
0: Yeah, it, it's perspective, right? It's uh, it's crazy how much COVID has even changed us. Sometimes, in some ways, things we took for granted, it, it slowly kind of became tougher. And it's it's always good to have that perspective and be grateful. Uh, transitioning to the business side, one of the things I have admired a lot, Dave, when looking back at your experience, is this niche and this specialty that you found about like um, at whatever company you lead sales or go to market motions, like wanting to verticalize it um, and the vertical that you've kind of become known for SAS. So I'd love to know, like at least from your experience, one, why that happened. Right. And more importantly, like when it makes sense to start verticalizing things versus like other ways of structuring your go to market team.
2: Can't we just hang out and tell more travel stories, Pouya? Yeah, <laughs> I think those are going to be so much more interesting for the listener.
0: <laughs> you, you, you'll be surprised. We can keep it tactical and fun. And, and, and this one will be as good learning from the master.
2: Oh, God. I haven't told the uh, avalanche story from snowboarding on the South Island of New Zealand after an Antarctic storm yet. That's, that's But I guess I'll, I'll get into telling the business part of things. You know, um, something about go-to-market motions is there's so much unpredictability, and so you try to build a controllable process. But I think sometimes, and those of you listening, you might res- this might resonate with you, what gets lost is the customer, because we're all customers. And pe- you're just trying to do a couple things. You're either trying to solve a problem or find a little more joy and become very competent in your craft. And it all depends on the market and what problem someone's trying to solve. And I've just gravitated to solving that last mile of the financial process, because I love data and uh, producing that data because data doesn't lie. It can be interpreted, but it doesn't lie in order to draw great facts. And so I've just worked with a lot of fantastic CFOs and their teams over time to draw stuff out. And in the financial arena, it's like a lot of business applications, the last mile of functionality is what's absolutely critical because what a nonprofit needs is different than a multi-entity financial real estate business is different from what an up-and-coming SaaS or subscription software company needs. And so just follow your customer and think of them as people. And that'll lead you into what the sales process needs to be. And um, from that, then create a process that's becomes more predictable.
1: And David, I had a question for you too. Cause I, I, one of the things I've admired about your journey is the you've built like at each step you've, you've stayed somewhat consistent as far as like the arena that you've operated in. So NetSuite, Bill.com, Sage Intact, not the same thing, but some like adjacent similarities as far as the types of customers that they serve. The the question I have for you is, I think there's a lot of obvious benefits when you look at a career to staying on one, not on one track, but within one sort of common category of types of customers who you're interacting with. Um, You may cross paths with customers again, but I'm curious for you, looking back on it, what's been maybe the thing that surprised you the most and benefited you in kind of working for three different companies in a similar category that maybe you didn't expect, but, but has, has played to your benefit now that you're at Sage?
2: Well, I got this great life advice when I was younger. Uh, I've had these fantastic mentors and uh, one of them said, manage your life and your career in three different phases. The first one is early stage, try a lot of different things, figure out who you are, what you're good at. And then second That's kind of exploratory phase second is momentum phase become known for what it is that you're good at and then third phase uh harvest phase which is because you're known get tapped to run something big and i've been very fortunate every time i've been recruited to come over uh, to build something up which means there's already some support and then trust gets built because i'm sure all of you can think about yourself right now who are people that you work with that you trust and who are people that you don't trust? And my God, aren't the people that you don't trust just God, give you ulcers? And it's bad enough fighting against competition and customer expectations, let alone in fighting. And so I've been very fortunate because of how I tried to just frankly ask what success looks like and then do my best at it. And that's led, and I've been lucky and and, uh, you know, I've had my highs and lows, but in general, just never gave myself the excuse to fail and just keep on going. And then you get tapped into these businesses. And so, um, and, it's, and it's kept growing and we're built a fantastic business right now at Sage Intact, right? We're number one in our slices of the market and then it's great. But that's my simple advice to you is just try a lot of different things, figure out what you're good at and just hold yourself to a high bar on doing your best at it. And people want that, it's like uh, people think like there's a dominance hierarchy. I don't think it's a dominance hierarchy. I think it's a competency hierarchy. Competence is what's attractive to people and what gets drawn up. And so that's something within all of your control in order to build, that might be the big takeaway I hope for all of you, figure out what you need to be good at, just put the time in and become competent at it and opportunities will come to you. It sounds
0: like as you're talking, one of the things where my head goes is this consistent reflection that you kind of have to do, right? And being realistic with yourself, what you're good at, what you're not at, maybe having a mentor challenge you, right? Like, here's, like, giving you guidance. Um, The one downside of that sometimes is you can get a lot of noise, right? And, like, it's this balance of, like... I, do I do what's best for me in, in other pre- people's perspective versus uh, like what I think is best for me? And basically what I'm trying to get at is like, once you've decided that you want to do this vertical, like SaaS thing, right? That, that, that sounds like that's what you really wanted to hone in on and become that guy, right? I'm sure there's a lot of opportunities that came knocking on your door, Net NetSuite, Sage, other things, right? How did you kind of assess like, hey, I want to go do this thing at Sage versus somewhere else, right? And we can blurb the different companies, right? There's a lot of different options. In other words, what I'm trying to understand is like, how do you think through like the emphasis of like what company makes sense for your strengths, right? And Do you listen to your gut? Do you listen to your mentors? Like, how do you balance those different things? And maybe it's a weird, odd question, but I'm
1: just
2: curious. No, and by the way, to each of your own styles, there's so many infinite ways to answer this. I've just tried to follow, I've tried to think like an investor, which is uh, how big is the market? How unique is the product? And then how good is the team? And maybe underneath that, like the culture and, and back to that theme of trust that comes in. And if you can nail those three things, uh, you if you look at most of the companies that survived the threshing to become great exits, they follow some version of those three core principles plus some others. And uh, and again, oh, you know, again, the companies I've worked at Oracle and IBM, the NetSuite, and Bill.com, and now intact being acquired by Sage at you know 9.8 times revenues. It's just we've just had a great a great run. And, you know, been very fortunate to work with some fantastic people because it's not one, as you all know, it's not, it's not just you who gets it done. It's a great team that's clear in what success looks like and supports one another instead of tries to backstab one another. And then then that's where good stuff comes from.
0: And when you're building a a verticalized team, it could be like your VC slash PE versus SaaS. How much emphasis do you put on like Domain expertise, like how much do they know that domain? Like, is when I'm that hiring? When you're hiring. Yeah, exactly. When you're hiring and building this team and you're saying like, hey, I want this team to focus on SaaS or VCs, like, do they need to have domain expertise or is it one of those things if they have the soft skills, everything else checks the box, you'll rather go with the candidate. That well, can just learn going
2: it? back to shades of gray and that the, when you're hiring, there's different factors and you weight them differently based upon the person you've got. But I know this much is true. People buy from people they trust and people that bring value first. And if you think you got someone in front of you, you can hire who can do those two different things, hire them. And uh, there's different ways of doing that. Great, if, if someone's got great domain expertise, but they're a jerk, if somebody uh, is fantastic, but doesn't have great domain expertise, but shows a track record of learning quickly in order to be an expert at their craft, But it's all in the name of, because what we do is we help SaaS CFOs automate order-to-cash and procure-to-pay specific to their subscription customer lifecycle, and then produce great data out of the back end in order to guide big decisions on when to fundraise, how to move into new markets, when to hire, when to invest in the product, how to deal with churn issues. And if you come in and you can't talk with them about making their life better on that, you're just not going to survive. The numbers will show it. And, but it's going to be, the numbers will reflect in the inability to connect. So that's ultimately what it is you're trying to do.
0: Yeah. Consistently add value. And hopefully, hopefully we've done that in our working relationship for you, Dave, as, as, as you're talking through these things, I'm like, in the, in, <laughs>
2: well, look how many people agree. Look, listen to all of you listening because it, you know, it's like, <laughs> these guys got a great show going on between Robbie and Puya, and you guys have already seen that you're doing that. So it, it, I'm just happy to be along for the ride
0: yeah no we're we're excited to have you we're grateful to have you I, I wonder uh i wonder who who checks the boxes based on your evaluation and your tips more having worked with me and, and robbie both of us so my vote is robbie <laughs> but, but i could, I, I could let's but I run a poll
2: to... and ask your audience
0: that that's a good one so if you're listening to this episode tweet right it, now
2: and just what's your guys twitter handle
0: I am Poya, so if you think it's me, give me a plus one. I Just am. Give Poya. I am
2: Poya plus one. Poya or plus one, Robbie, right now. That's exactly let's, what let's I want. the audience decide. Keep this,
0: keep this interactive and fun to go. Well, look, Dave, this has been an absolute pleasure to kind of have you on the show. Uh, we can probably continue on and on and on about so many different questions and themes. One of the questions we'd love ending with is. If you were to go back to your younger self, right, maybe in, <laughs> in, in, in in Ann Arbor, like maybe you're at a football game cheering on your Michigan blues, right? What, what would you tell your younger, younger self, David? What's that one piece of advice you would give yourself?
2: Don't worry so much.
0: Where does that come from? I besides worried Bob, a lot. Least, Bob. I,
2: I, I, I worried a lot. And, um, it's just because I always wanted to do my best. But there's, there's ways to worry in which you make things better around you. And there's ways to worry in which you don't waste some energy. I just would have stayed focused and uh, worried a little bit less. Now it's all been part of the journey. Um, But it, you know, got me here. I love it. Yeah. Don't worry,
0: be happy as our good friend Bob Marley says. So we're gonna, or
2: Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? There you go.
0: Yeah, both, both of them. Uh, David if people want to get in touch with you, uh, what would be the best way?
2: Hit me up on LinkedIn. David Apple okay. is intact.
0: Cool. David Apple, and we will put it also in the show notes. Thanks so much, David. It's been an absolute pleasure. Can I just wrap uh, and, up with a couple of things? Because you'll the
2: tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them what you told them. I didn't want to make this about me so much as much as, some of the core principles that some mentors invested in me a little bit, right? Think about what success looks like, persist until you succeed, and then create some tradecraft over time. And by doing that, you'll build the competency that becomes attractive to other people for them to want you to be part of the team and where they'll they'll trust you. And all back to have a big market with a product that's unique and solving people's problems and hire folks that are going to help you deliver the value and the inherent promise that the, the product has so i uh, i don't have it all figured out but those have worked for me and i hope those work for you and if i'm i uh, i'm doing this because i want to pay it forward and if you want to connect over linkedin again just just ping me and robbie and Puya, thanks so much to both of you guys for how you're investing in all of us to make things better so i really appreciate you inviting me to be part of it oh, thanks david i appreciate that it was great having you on yeah, my pleasure. See everybody.
1: Until
0: next time, be safe, yeah. be well, and, and catch you on the next one. And no, don't forget to Plus One Poya. That's the way to go.
2: <laughs> no plugging. No plugging. The people will speak. The people will <laughs> tell the truth.
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you think I Am Poya is the way to go, give me a Plus One on Twitter. Uh, Otherwise, please, please, please reach out to David Apple. Let him know how much you enjoyed this episode. Connect with him. You can find his contact information in the show notes. And last but not least, I want to thank our two sponsors, CoSell and Scratchpad for sponsoring today's episode. If you want to learn how you can get in front of your prospective buyers using warm introductions, go check out cosell.io forward slash scale so you can see how they can scale your business. Again, that is cosell.io forward slash scale scale as well as scratchpad the favorite sales solution by many sales reps that allows you to do more selling and less salesforce clicking so if you want to do less salesforce clicking and do more of what you love which is selling check out scratchpad